Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We are a Bible-based church based out of Peterborough, Canada, and together we're on a mission to reach people who are far from Christ and see them become devoted followers of Jesus. Each year at Christmas, we sing the same songs we've been singing our whole lives. Now, these classic Christmas carols have so much to teach us about the importance of Christ's coming. And this week, we'll consider how the little Lord Jesus, from away in a manger, is not meant to be little, but is to have the first place in our lives. And what does a life full of surrender to God look like? We'll find it together as our family pastor, Andrew Friesen, brings us part three of our carol series, entitled, Away in a Manger. Well, uh, it is so, so good to be with you. I'm Andrew, I'm the family pastor here, and did those teens rocket leading worship or what? Man, so, so good. Uh, welcome to our Christmas family service. I'm excited to be with you. I'm excited that it's not just us as adults, but it's, uh, it's teens. And second, it'll be kids leading the way, worshiping God together. So we're in this series all about carols, as you saw from that video. And uh, two weeks ago, Pastor Nathan kicked it off by talking about the carol, O Holy Night. And he talked about how what happened in Bethlehem is first historical. It actually happened. You know, there's evidence of that. But it's not just something in history. It's also something that affects us personally. We have to figure out what we do with it. Do, what do we believe? What are we going to actually do about it? And then there's a part of it that transforms us. It's transformational. And then last week, if you were here, uh, you heard uh, him talk about, uh, you know, Oh, come all ye faithful. And he dove into, uh, you know, even dove into like the Nicene Creed in exploring who Jesus is. And what we what we landed on was the fact that a lot of us feel like uh, there's not necessarily faithfulness in ourselves. We kind of feel faithless at times. But in Christ, through Jesus, through what he did on our behalf, we are counted among the faithful ones. And today we are going to jump into another Christmas carol that, uh, that, that, that I love. We'll get to in a second. But first, I just want to pull the audience here, figure out how many times have you actually gone caroling in your life? Like how many times have you gone door to door and actually sung carols? I want to see, you know, put up the number of fingers, the number of times that you've actually gone. Okay, I see one, I see two, I see five right here. So five, 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 anybody would be five, 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 five. No, I can't do that. Okay, wow, we got at least ten. Nice work, uh, Sandra. That's amazing. Uh, for me, I think I've got you all beat by the looks of it. I've got at least twenty times in my life because as a kid growing up, we had a family tradition. Between December 20th, you know, and December 23rd, we would go with another family in the neighborhood, and we would go driving door-to-door. We lived out in the country, and our neighbors were expecting us. They knew, and some of them had hot chocolate ready. I remember pot of gold chocolates. Like, it was the best. We'd come home. uh, We'd get a nice fire going in the fireplace, a spruce wood just crackling away. It was beautiful, right? There's kind of some nostalgia that goes with it. Middle of covid I don't know that many people are caroling. So, uh, you know, we kind of lost that for now. Hopefully we pick it back up. But uh, there's something so, I don't know, peaceful about carols. And here we are. We're going to dive into another carol. And not just the, you know, we're not just going to look at the peaceful side of it. But we're going we're gonna to look at what it means for us in our lives. But uh, first, a little bit of background. We are going to talk about Away in the Manger. Way in the manger, and this uh, this 
song took the music charts by storm in the late 1800s. Like, it was the rage. That was the banger. Like, everyone loved that song. And, um, and, and, and there was this, this guy named Charles Gabriel. Okay, Charles Gabriel uh, in 19, uh, sorry, 1892. Okay, is when kind of we think that he pieced the song together, but but it was actually uh, something that that he got the first two verses. We don't know who wrote it, but he, we think that he added the third. He was a self-taught musician. He wrote seven, eight thousand songs. He edited thirty-five, uh, you know, hymn books, which is which is insane. That's so cool. You know, that, that's what that's what he did. That's you know, talk about creativity. That guy had it. But then there was about 40 or more different tunes uh, that kind of, and eventually it was pieced together. And the song that we're going to hear in a second uh, is, is called Mueller. It's by James R. Murray. And in uh, 1887 is when he composed this. Uh, he, was, he was an author. Um, and it's kind of a familiar tune, right? Away in a manger, no crib for a bed. There you go, right? Uh, you can continue on. I was getting too low, so I was just like, we'll, we'll cut it there. Uh, but there's another melody that maybe you're familiar with. It's called The Cradle Songs by William Kirk, Kirkpatrick, and I'll see if I can do it here for you. Away in a manger, no crib for a bed. All right? Hey, that was better than first service. Oh, man. Guess practice. Uh, i got to take some lessons from these guys up here, hey? Eh? That's amazing. Uh, so we're going to jump into it, but, you know, What's so beautiful about the, the, the song Away in a Manger uh, is there's just, it, there's something peaceful about it. You know, if I was to put a song on for my kids as they're falling asleep in December, Away in the Manger would be near the top of the list, right? And so what's more fitting than a song that's perfect for kids, sung by kids, danced to by kids, just like you know, done to the nines by kids. So we're going to turn this over to Path of Kids of our church right here. Jesus, 
That is beautiful. That's so, so cute. Oh, thanks to every parent that found a way to record that, to capture some moment there and took the time to send it to us. You know, someday we're going to have uh, a world where we're going to have all the kids back on stage and it's going to be amazing live. Uh, we'll, we'll do that. But in the time, for the time being, it's so, so cool to be able to uh, celebrate the uh, the amazing God that we have, and and just celebrate with uh, with kids like that. Isn't that so good? That is so so good. Yeah, give some love to uh, to the families of Pathway. Uh, in a second, we're going to walk through the words of that carol line by line, and then you know we're going to dive into to some more. But uh, first, I just want to um, draw your attention to one phrase that they actually said over and over again. And we're going to look at it. And it's this little phrase, the little Lord Jesus. The little Lord Jesus. I've got, uh, I've got a little Lord Jesus here. Pulled this out of the nativity set um, from, from our house. It's a little Lord Jesus. And, you know, when I think about the Lord Jesus, the little Lord Jesus, I think that's true of, it's, first, first of all, that's cute. That's innocent. That's just like lovely. Uh, you know, there's something just, Oh, fun about a little Lord Jesus sitting somewhere there on a shelf in your home. But I think the thing is, and we'll dive into this, is there's a tendency for us to love the little Lord Jesus because he has a little place. He's on a shelf somewhere in our home, so yeah, he's he's a part of our lives. Or 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 he, he you know we keep him in our back pocket, and when we need God to do something for us, oh ah, oh, isn't that the best? I still have little Lord Jesus with me, and he's kind of like this back pocket Jesus. He's the little Lord Jesus. He doesn't have you know a say in our lives. He doesn't have control over us. He doesn't have that, but he's ah the little Lord Jesus, right? And um, you know. As we've been walking through this series on the Christmas carols, we've been, you know, singing the songs that talk about one sliver of history, Bethlehem in Judea, and when Jesus was born. But what we're talking about through this series is how God's plan from eternity to make the world right, to bring the world back to himself, uh, to, to bring freedom and love and joy, involves the nativity, it involves the manger, but that's just one little piece of the puzzle. And so we can get caught up in the sliver of history where Jesus is the baby, the little Lord Jesus, and miss the whole point, which is that Jesus came on purpose to save the world from their sins and to bring in a new way to do life. So let's walk through this carol together, okay? We'll, we'll throw it up on the screen, line by line, and uh, and let's go through it. So, away in a manger, no crib for his bed, the little Lord Jesus. There it is. Little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. So, some of you are pregnant, or you, you know someone who is. Maybe you're a grandparent. You're you're you know stoked for your grandkid to arrive, and the nursery's all set up. Okay, someone's been nesting. They've been setting up their place. That's what Mary had, and she was excited, you know, cautiously excited for this baby. But all of that that nesting was stripped from her because she ends up laying Jesus down in like this feeding trough. Right? The speeding trough, it's like, eh, so much for your plans, stripped away from you. And then it says, the stars in the bright sky, look down where he lay, the little Lord Jesus. There it is again, asleep on the hay. See, there's, there's something that is so cute about Jesus 
being little Lord Jesus. And he's, he's this baby. And there's, there's humanity. There's something so powerful about the fact that God took on humanity. He took on weakness. He took on everything that you and I go through. He took it on. And he humbled himself like that. And there's, there's this reverence in that carol for this little Lord Jesus. The cattle are lowing, the poor baby wakes, but little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Anyone that's ever had a kid, you get to that, that point in the, in the carol and you're like, really? That seems like a little bit of artistic license there. No crying he makes. Uh, maybe you've had a colicky child. I had a child that was five days old when we got to Christmas, and I remember, you know, you're going to the Christmas tree, and then you're back over, putting the kids, shh, like, come on, like, we got to celebrate here. You're back and forth. The thing is, Jesus did cry, okay? He was fully human. He was hungry. He dealt with the same weaknesses that, that we deal with. So don't, you know, buy into some lie that, uh, that, that Jesus never cried. Okay, I just wanted to set that straight. So if, as a parent, you're like, man, Mary must have had it all figured out. <laughs> no, 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 don't worry. Jesus did cry. I love thee, Lord Jesus. Look down from the sky and stay by my side till morning is nigh. Okay, did you guys notice a bit of a shift there? It goes from like the little Lord Jesus sleep on the hay to like, wait, wait, I love thee, Lord Jesus. Look down from the sky. All of a sudden, Here's Jesus looking down at us, and we're not just singing about Jesus, we're singing to Jesus. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. What happened to little Lord Jesus? Now it's Lord Jesus over top, right? Crazy. Uh, crazy that uh, there's that shift, and we sometimes don't even notice it. Now he's not the, the innocent child in the manger. He's the watching comforter over us. And the, the, the way the song ends is verse 3, Be near me, Lord Jesus. He drops the little, right? Be near me, Lord Jesus. I ask thee to stay close by me forever and love me always. Bless all the dear children in thy tender care and fit us for heaven to be with thee there. The carol starts the little Lord Jesus the first three times, and then it drops the little. Drop the little. And I think that's the challenge for us, and we'll get into that, to drop the little in the Lord Jesus. Jesus, because he ends in this place of power and authority, okay? He, God, is the one that has the ability to bless, okay? He has the power to influence the world. He's the one that gives us care and protection. He's not, the little, he's not just the little Lord Jesus. He's the one that watches over us, and he has the power to transform us from the inside out. Isn't that awesome? Like, that is so, so powerful. And, um, and today, we're going to look at what it means for Jesus to be Lord. What it means to be Jesus Lord. And in Luke 2, verse 11, it says this, For to you is born this day, in this city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So even when the angels are announcing this to the shepherds, and they're saying, hey, go find this baby, already, from the point that he's the little Lord Jesus, he is the Savior who is Christ the Lord. He has power, he has authority, he has that place. So, this word Lord, okay? Let's talk about that for a second. This word Lord, what does it even mean? It's kind of a weird word. So, here's a definition for you, okay? Lord is someone or something having power, authority, or influence, okay? So, so they have this position over someone else. They're, they're a master or ruler. And if something or someone is your Lord in life, it means that you come under it. 
Okay, it has it has authority over you. It has influence over you. There's there's like respect. There's submission. You kind of you surrender to that thing. And um, you guys are probably wondering what this Christmas tree is doing here. Eh? Uh, I'm going to use it as a bit of an analogy to describe what it's like to have something in our life that is Lord over us. Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's a thing. But for every single one of us, there are things that have first importance in life. And they're the thing that we kind of live our life according to. Okay? And we're going to flip uh, some of these around uh, just to, to, to look at some different things in life that could have authority over us. Okay, let's start with, how about this one? Let's see. Okay, how about money? Maybe money is the thing that drives us in life. That's the thing that, you know, we may not say it, but that's the thing that guides our decisions. It guides what we do. You know, we're, we're after, like, the, the latest possessions. We want more. We want more. We want, you know, all that kind of thing. That's, that's what we want. That's the thing that has first place in our life. Or maybe, maybe it's, uh, how, about, how about this, plans. Maybe it's plans. There are things in life we have our way, and we're like, you know, maybe you are at a point in life where you're trying to figure out, okay, so I've had this job, and now uh, maybe I need to switch gears, right? Uh, or, or you're headed off to university. It's like, this is what I want with my life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get married at this point. I'm going to have kids when I'm like 28, 29. It'll be perfect. And then we'll go off, and we'll do these destination vacations, all this kind of thing. It's like, that's your plan. And that's what you orient life around. There's lots of different things that you base your life around. You know, we'll, we'll keep walking through it, but for me, in our home, when we decorate a Christmas tree, uh, there's, there's kind of this order that we get to different things. So we start with the Christmas lights, and anyone else just like, you'd rather just buy a new set of lights, you don't have to untangle it. It's like, forget that, I don't care, throw it in the landfill, we'll deal with that later. I just want, <laughs> I want this Christmas tree decorating to go okay. So you start with the lights, then we do like ribbon or garland or whatever it's called, and then there's different ornaments that have significant value to you. That you don't want like tucked away around the corner, like ah, that's on the roadside. There are some ornaments that I do put on the roadside just because, like, ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that was like Great Aunt Josephine. She doesn't need to see that. Like, whatever, just put it away, right? Everyone's got some ornaments. You're like, why do we still have that? That's ridiculous. But then there's other ornaments that you want to be like front and center. And so for me, uh, this is from 2011. It's a little, I don't know what you call that. It's a little monogram with an S and an A for Sonia and Andrew. It makes a heart. It's so cute, right? Uh, and I, I want to see that. That matters to me. The relationship that my wife and I have it matters to me. How about uh, something for my kid's first Christmas? Right? That's special. You have different things in your life that you put uh, on your Christmas tree that, that mean a lot to you. But that's also true in life. There's the different things that matter a lot to us, that we want them to be in a place of prominence, that we want them to be the most important thing. How about this? Okay, Friends. Friends. It's getting a little more personal. Friends have a place in our life that maybe dominates our priorities. What people think of us matters the most. Okay, we just want to have likes, you know, comments, followers on social media. That's that's what we want people, you know, to 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 think well of us. Or how about this? Status. Status. We want power and influence. And so you want to be around the, the type of perp, the type of people that give you power, right? Uh, I've seen that time and time again. I've seen it in my own life. Uh, how about this? Memories. 
you live for different moments. I've got uh, I've got a few different Christmas tree ornaments. One from PEI that's got red sand in in this ball, and it reminds me of some special times. Some of us live for the getaways. We live for escaping our current reality. That's what matters most to us. How about this? Sports. You could sub in arts, leisure, whatever it is. Hobbies are your life. You're just kind of going through to get through till Friday or Saturday where you can veg out, and that's what matters most in life. Am I talking to you guys? Yeah? You guys uh, You guys picking up what I'm throwing down? How about this? Work. Work. For some of us, if we're really honest with ourselves, or the people around us were honest with us, we'd realize work is what drives us in life. That's the thing that we want most. We want a reputation at work of getting stuff done. We want to get the raise. We want the promotion. We want, you know, know, when, when all of life is falling apart, at least I have work to fall back to. Because that's what matters most. Let's keep going. Kids. Kids have a beautiful, special place in my heart. I don't just say that because I'm a family pastor, (laughs) which I should say that. But no, they honestly are so, so special. But there's people out there that their kids are their life. Whatever the kid wants, that's what's happening. The kids rule the home, and you're running around as parents to give the kid whatever they want. And then what happens, if your kid is your life, you get to the point that they're 18, 19 years old, they leave the home, and you're like, whoa, now what? What are we going to do? Right? And, and it's like, okay, my whole life, my whole life was my kids, now what? So we all have different things that give us significance. Maybe it's a spouse, partner, boyfriend, girlfriend, significant other. They are your life. And as I've walked through premarital counseling with uh with different couples, you know, what I've noticed is that it's possible to put so much pressure on your significant other for your expectations of how they're going to complete you, of how they're going to make life just perfect when you're finally together. So much pressure on it that it crushes them. They can't possibly live up to those expectations. You guys get what I'm, you know, saying here? The thing is, we can make any one of these things what our life is all about. And you can do that. But the thing is, when you look at a Christmas tree like this, if it doesn't have something up at the top, it doesn't look right. It's not complete. Okay, There's something missing, uh, so I'll I'll throw it up here. Yeah, it's missing a star. You know, in life, God is the one that completes our lives. He, He, He takes the place of priority. He takes the place of, of, of where all the attention goes. That's what it is all, it's, it's all about Jesus. And, um, you know, sometimes I, uh, I think about what life is like. I've been a Christian for, I guess, 19 years now, uh, since I was 12. And I wonder what life is like without Jesus. And for some people, maybe it's going okay. But I think deep down, most people that don't have Jesus in their life sense the emptiness because life isn't complete without God. And maybe that's you today. We're talking straight to the, straight to the heart of it all. It's pretty quiet in here because, uh, you know, we're talking about something deep in our hearts. And we're going to go to Philippians 2. 
in a second. Philippians 2, starting in verse 5. So go ahead and flip there. But the Apostle Paul is going to say something to a group of people about the true and best way to align the priorities in life. What order you should have. And, uh, and, and he's going to say this. Let's turn to Philippians 2, uh, verse 5. Start, uh, start here. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a ser- servant, being born in the likeness of men. Okay. Pause right there. He's the little Lord Jesus. He takes on humanity. He takes on the humility of that, of being a person. He takes on humiliation. It says, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He, he leaves this place of glory to this place of shame, dying on a cross for us. It says, therefore, there's a shift here. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's at the top, to the glory of God the Father. See, what's so beautiful about that, just to dive into it a little bit, is that Jesus had the highest place. He was in heaven. He had everything, okay? And he willingly chose to give that up for you and I. What a gift that is. He humbled himself by becoming the little Lord Jesus, taking on human suffering, taking on human weakness. He did that for you. And it wasn't just to draw attention to himself, because it says, you know, he humbled himself so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth, Every tongue confess that Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So he's pointing from, from himself to God the Father. Man, that's, that's beautiful. That is so powerful. And, um, you know, I was talking with, with teens Friday night, okay? So we had, we had youth here 7 to 9, which is always, it's always a fun time. And afterwards, uh, a number of teens had come forward saying, I want to be baptized. And we actually have a baptism coming up on January 7th uh, in youth. We'll be able to celebrate that with, uh, with small groups and parents. And whatnot. By the way, there's actually a ton of teens that don't show up on a Sunday. Their parents don't you know, necessarily attend here that are here on a Friday night. How cool is that? So we're going to do baptisms on a Friday night where they can go public among their friends. And then we'll capture that and share it. But then also on Sunday, January 9th, we're also going to be having baptisms. So I'm talking with these teens, and, and they're saying... Andrew, I want to get baptized. This matters to me. And I'm like, that's so, so cool. Because what it means for them to be baptized is they've already made the decision to make Jesus the Lord of their life. And now they've already made that decision. They've, you know, they've, they've made that step. And now they want to take the next step and they want to go public with it. So, so cool. And, you know, what? one, one more thing. If you're kind of thinking about all this and you're like, what does it even mean to make Jesus the Lord of your life? What does that even mean? That sounds like theoretical. Well, the starting point is to admit that you've sinned, believe that Christ, you know, saved you from your sin and commit to a new life. And Romans 10 verse 9 says this, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. 
It's actually really simple. That starting point of faith to make him the Lord of your life. And so many of you have already done that. Okay, what I want to talk about now, okay, is the fact that it's one thing to say that Jesus is the Lord of your life and a whole other thing to actually live it out, okay? Because I don't know about you, but my life is not this like perfect, seamless, uh, you know, track record of always living with Jesus up at the top and, and everything just falls in place. Okay, let's talk about these different categories and what it looks like to make him the Lord not just one time, but to make him the Lord daily of every area of your life. We're going to jump into that. Um, Jesus has this, has this, this moment in, in Matthew where he's talking to people that, that say, yeah, yeah, you know, you're Lord, Lord, like, yeah, we, we want to follow you, God, like, you're everything. And then, and then Jesus says to them this, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? You know, you, you say one thing. You guys ever had this? You see people around you, it's like, yeah, you, you say one thing, but, you know, I see what's happening in other areas of your life, right? There, there's, there's a disconnect between what you say and how you live. Uh, Nora, who is hosting here, uh, she was, we were talking uh, Friday night, and she's like, yeah, you know what? I've got to get baptized because I'm going to, you know, do this, and I want to, like, make it just so public. She's talking about this, and, like, there's people that their life doesn't match what they do. Like, I wanted to wait till I got baptized so that when, like, you know, I, I made that decision, I could follow it up with action. I'm like, yeah, you go. Preach, sister. Like, that is amazing. She wants, you know, to, 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 to match her life, what she says, with her life and what she does. And that's true, I hope, uh, for, for all of us that are followers of Jesus. So let's walk through. Okay, So for me, I was saved at 12 years old. Okay, I made that one-time decision that I am going to follow Jesus. I'm going to put him first. But that's, you know, surrender to Jesus is not just a one-time decision. It's something that um, you have to do daily. And so every area of my life... I'm in the progress, the process of putting under the lordship of Jesus. And that might be true for you as well. Okay, so let's just walk through some examples. Okay, so for me, uh, as, a, as a kid, I had to learn how to follow God in obeying my father and my mother. So kids in the room, teens in the room, those are some tough years where, you know, you're, you want to go a different direction, but what it means to surrender to him is to say, okay, God, I will listen to my parents and I'll walk that line. You know, maybe for you, you're, you're in, uh, in high school and you're playing sports, you're part of a band or different things. For me, I played high school soccer and there was a lot of moments in the locker room where I had to continue to make Jesus the Lord of my life. And so the way that I talked in the locker room, the jokes that I laughed at, the different parts of life that I was willing to like, you know, just go along with the flow had to come unto, under his lordship. How about, how about plants? Okay. Maybe some of you are making decisions about what university to go to, uh, what, what job to take, where to move. You know, I know some of your lives and what's going on. Our plans have to come under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And I remember one time, uh, this is going back like oh, nine years ago, I think, and Pathway was just getting started. It was a year or two old, and I met with Pastor Nathan. And at that point, I think you just had like a home office. Like we're down in his basement. I'm chatting about life. Like, do I go the direction of carpentry? Or do, I, do I go ministry? Like, what should I do? And we're just talking through it. Like, what should I do? 
Because I wanted to put my life under the lordship of Jesus. I didn't just want to like go my own ways, have my own plans. I wanted to just kind of let God speak into that. How about, uh, how about money? Okay. Ooh. Do we really actually want to let Jesus have a say in what we do with our money? That's a little bit personal, hey? Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, that's my money. That's my hard-earned money. I'm not quite sure that I can actually put a star on that. Because that's my deal. And maybe there's some things that you can't quite put a star on because they're, they're the things that you're trying to hold on to yourself. You want control over it. You don't want God to have the say in that area. Maybe it's friendships, right? You want popularity, but you're learning to let the way that you interact with people reflect what God wants from you. And you have to make the choice, sometimes, to choose between looking good and being good. You could jump in on something, you could go with the flow, you could you know, be part of the crowd, your, your, your best buds, and you know that it's not right. And so you have to choose between fitting in with them and doing the right thing. And sometimes you have to choose being good over looking good. And that's a hard choice to make. See, every single one of these are different categories of life that we have to surrender to as Lord. Because it's one thing to say, yeah, Jesus is Lord of my life. But then, what does a Monday look like for you, right? What does a Monday look like? Uh, with our kids, we're in our life group. We're going through a book, Raising Passionate Jesus Followers, okay? And um, it's, uh, it's something that we want to, as couples say, ah, this is something that matters so much to us. We want our kids to experience Jesus. We want them to live lives of, of love and freedom and peace. Uh, that actually matters. We've got to figure out some rhythms, okay? I could go on. You guys are getting the point of how this works. But I think there's areas of this that we just say, no, 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 that's off limits. I can't give you that. Maybe it's your time. It's like, God, I'll give you, you know, a few hours a week, showing up on Sunday or volunteering or, or you know, I'll maybe read, you know, something to do with, with God. But, like, that's it. That's, that's the time limit. Maybe it's uh, your relationships, your sexuality. You say, no, 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 God, I'm going to do my thing. And, you know, you can, you can have a lot of say over my life in different areas, but, no, no, you don't touch that. That's off limits. We can do that. I was talking to a, a youth leader uh, this past week who was talking about the relationship. And, and she had, you know, we all have this list. If, if, you're, if you're looking for a significant other, you have a list of what you're looking for in someone. And at the top of her list, she said, he loves Jesus. And if you don't have that, it's like, uh, you know, don't pass go, don't collect $200. Because that's like putting him first in that area of relationships. Okay, you guys are getting the point. See, I, the thing is, you could look at that and you say, like, ah, do I really want God to have a say in every area of my life? And that's kind of hard, right? But I remember getting engaged to Sonia. And I went out and bought an expensive ring. It was, you know, <laughs> probably more money than I sh should have spent with on it at that time because I just didn't have a lot of money. Looking back on it, I'm so glad that I did. But I bought this expensive ring. I was going to propose to her. I got down on one knee. And, uh, and actually, first service, someone pulled out a ring and it dropped on the floor. Right, as I said this, like, wow, <laughs> that's insane. Um, but I got down on one knee and I asked her, you know, to marry me. 
Fortunately, she says yes, which is awesome, and we've been married 10 years. But for me, I, I bought that ring. It cost me a lot. just want to ask you, what did it cost her? What did it cost her? Nothing. Okay, so it cost her nothing. She just receives that. But then she has to go through life with me. <laughs> which costs her a lot. Some of you guys know who I am. Like, man, that's a, that's a lot to put up with. It cost her nothing, but it cost her everything. And what's beautiful about marriage is that I've done the same thing. You know, at our wedding day, I received this ring that I can't get off my finger. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's cost me my whole life to lay down my life for her on a daily basis, to surrender to her. And it's a mutual submission, mutual surrender to each other. The same thing is true of us and God. When we get to that point where we say, God, I don't just want you to be little Lord Jesus. I don't just want you to to have a back pocket place in my life. I want to surrender to you, to your Lordship. I want my whole life to look like what you want for me. That's a beautiful place. And it didn't cost you anything. The cross, what Jesus did for you on the cross, is a free gift for you. But it will cost you your life to follow. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. So I guess the question is, will you let Jesus be Lord of every area of your life? What area of your life do you need to surrender to his lordship? You know, um, C.S. Lewis, this author, uh, back around the time of the Second World War, wrote this book called Mere Christianity. Near the end, he's talking with, with people about, like, you know, describing what it means to be a Christian. And he writes this, this line, this, this paragraph, about whether Christianity is hard or easy. And he says this, The Christian way is different, different than other ways of living. It's harder and easier. Christ says, give me all. I don't want so much of your time and so much of your money and so much of your work. I want you. I've not come to torment your natural self, but to kill it. No half measures are any good. I don't want to cut off a branch here and a branch there. I want to have the whole tree down. Hand over the whole natural self. I will give you a new self instead. In fact... I will give you myself. My own will shall become yours. Um, Jesus is not looking to be the little Lord Jesus in your life. He's not looking to be a part-time Lord. He's looking to be a full-time Lord with full surrender. And... If I were to read on in C.S. Lewis, you know, here's what, he, here's what he talks about. He talks about how, yeah, the Christian life of surrender is hard. It's simple, but it's hard. But a life not in surrender to God is even harder. Because you have to try and do all this and find meaning and satisfaction out of it without the centerpiece, the, 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 the piece of the puzzle that makes everything tum, come together. You live with emptiness, longing for more, even though if you just gave your life life to God, it would make sense. And if you just let him, you know, define the way that you see your work, your spouse, your kids, every part of your life, it would just all come together. So many of us are trying to make it on our own without God's control 
in our lives. And so, guys, today, it's a bit, of a, a bit more of a challenging, reflecting message, right? Where you're invited in to surrender every aspect of your life to God. He doesn't just want to be the little Lord Jesus. He has a place to offer you true life, true love, peace, joy, everything that you could imagine if you just surrender your life to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of, of your son Jesus. And uh, man, life is so special with you. You just make all of it make sense. Lord, uh, I just pray right now for those of us in the room that, you know, watching online that don't know you and haven't taken that step. Lord, help us to just see who you really are. And Lord, those of us that have taken that step, Lord, help us to surrender every area of our lives to you. We want that, God. And um, just give us wisdom on the next steps that we need to take to make you Lord in every area of life. In Christ's name, amen. Hey, that wraps it up from us here at Pathway. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode. Be sure to keep up with us on all of our socials. Our website is pathwaylife.com, instagram.com forward slash pathwaylifechurch, and of course, facebook.com forward slash pathwaylife. We appreciate you guys tuning in, and we hope to see you soon. Bye.